welcome to the Inquisitive Tourist. My name is Nate Ralph and thank you for joining me. Sharks. Just the word itself excites some people. It fills them with wonder. It fills them with awe. But in others, it instills terror and fear in the biggest sense. What if I told you that my guest today went diving and swimming with sharks? That's right. But listen to this. He had no prior experience and he went with no cage. Can you believe that? He's 27 years old. He graduated with a degree in computer systems and currently works in IT. His name is Nathan Mejia from Florida, USA. Nathan, welcome to the show. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. This is a great topic, and I love the intro. IT has nothing to do with sharks, but I think it's awesome. So thanks for having me again. You're more than welcome, bro. I'm, I'm absolutely grateful that I could uh, have you on the show. I know when you first told me about your experience, I couldn't quite believe what I was hearing. And uh, obviously, we've been good friends for a while, and I, I just I just thought this this guy's got to come on the podcast to to have this discussion. Yeah, for sure, man. Can you believe it's been, what, six years that you were here down in West Palm Beach already? Time flies, man. That's right. I think it was uh, 2015 that we met, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, since then, we haven't really seen each other, but we've managed to stay in touch. So it's been pretty cool. Exactly. 2015, West Palm Beach. And it's it's nice that we've, uh, you know, we've kept in contact and uh, yeah, we've become really good friends, haven't we? Yeah, we have, man. So... Nathan, just before we get into this, before we dive into this topic, no pun intended, um, just a little bit about your your background. Um, where were you born? Where were you raised? How long have you lived in Florida? And maybe tell us a little bit about your various uh, jobs that you've held. Sure. Well, I was born here, South Florida, Boynton Beach. If you've ever been here, then you'll know that Palm Beach County, everything kind of blends together. We like to call it the general backyard of Miami, all of South Florida. I was born, raised in uh, Boynton, but uh, I grew up basically my entire life in Boca Raton. Uh, my parents are not Florida natives. My mom's Colombian. My dad is Dominican. They both met here. Uh, my brother and I were born here, of course. But uh, yeah, we've basically lived in the same 20-mile radius our whole life. And uh, as far as work goes, I've had a number of odd jobs. We've spoken about this before, everything from construction to IT. Uh, for right now, I, I think I'm settled on tech support, uh, which has nothing to do with diving again. But yeah, uh, I'm loving what I'm doing, man. So it's been a good journey so far. That's absolutely awesome. That, that That's very cool that you've had such a wide uh, variety of job uh, experiences. It's, it's funny because obviously some people, they leave school or maybe they uh, graduate from college, university. You guys call it college in, in the US, I think. Uh, and they just go into one job and, and they stay in that job for years and years and years, which again, you know, that's fine. Uh, but it's cool. I've actually had a similar background to you as well in that I've been in many different uh, professions, wildly different. And I think it's nice. It develops you as a person, uh, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. I think... Most people, well, a lot of my friends at least start off studying one thing and end up doing something completely different. So I guess in that sense, it doesn't really make me feel too lost or I guess like a lost cause, so to speak, right? It's just what, what puts bread on the table. And uh, thankfully, it's something kind of related to what I went to school uh, for. But yeah, man, whatever, whatever it is that makes you happy, then um, what you can support yourself doing is cool. 
Absolutely. So you said that your mum was Colombian and your father was Dominican. That's that's very cool. I mean, I've been to both places, Dominican Republic. I've also been to Colombia. I was actually caught out there at the start of the COVID pandemic. I'm actually going to have another podcast entirely on that because it was a wild story, completely wild story. Um, but that was my first time in Colombia. How, obviously, both Spanish-speaking countries, uh, I think, you know, the, the food in some ways, this is my own experience, was quite similar and so on. Obviously, with a Colombian mother and a Dominican father, how do you compare the cultures, at least from, you know, from their experience? Obviously, that I'm, I'm assuming they were both brought up in uh, in Florida. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you feel that the cultures are very different or very similar? Um, that's a good question. I would say that um, specifically where my mom is from, she's kind of from the interior part of the country, um, Bogota, right, which is which is. Yeah very different from the coast. Mm. And had I, well, I guess had she been raised somewhere along the coast, Barranquilla, one of those coastal cities, then the culture would be more similar to to the Dominican Republic, which is in fact, you know, island life, so to speak. So they are kind of different. And my parents met here though, and they were both raised in, in those countries. But I think mixes like what I am, Colombian Dominican are, are really common here. In South Florida, of course, and you've been here, so you you can probably attest to that. Yeah, I loved it. And your father is from what part of the DR? He was from Santo Domingo, which is the capital. Santo He's Domingo. been living here in the States for, what, 30 years now so or uh, more. Yeah, no, yeah. I, Santo Domingo, I went to a place called Zona Colonial. Um, <laughs> yes. Absolutely gorgeous, historic place, and uh, can't wait to get back. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's very cool. I know Bogota. Uh, that's where I had to had to take my flight out of the country when I was basically stranded. That's another oh, podcast, man. like I said. But uh, it, it's at least what the Colombians said. It's interesting because in Medellin and uh, and Cali, they were sort of uh, saying how different the people are in Bogota. How it's almost a different country. I don't know if that's uh, something your mum told you or. Um, you can definitely tell. You know, culturally, just socially, people are a little bit different. It's a bit more buttoned up. I guess you could say Cali, the coast, even Medellin are a little bit uh, less business, a little bit more party, I guess, so to speak. Um, but yeah, the country has a lot of cultures, I guess, within itself. So it was, does make sense that people would say that. Awesome. Awesome. So Nathan, Nathan, let's do a deep dive on this fascinating topic, <laughs> which is what obviously the, all the guests have come here today for. You had a shark right. diving experience. Where and when was that? Man, it's hard to believe that it's almost been a year already. This was last year in, um, we actually had two trips. The first one was in, I think it was July. And the second one was in August. And I'll get to that in a minute. That was here, South Florida. Jupiter is the name of the city we did it in. And uh, man, it it was something else. Uh, I'll get more into detail. But yeah, I was here, South Florida, Jupiter, which is about an hour north from Boca Raton. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. And out of interest, how long had you known about this possibility? Well, I had been an idea of me and a couple of friends who enjoy diving for quite a while. Um, I've always wanted to experiment with diving with sharks. You know, they're native to our waters. So, you know, the idea isn't super far-fetched for Floridian, but I, I can see why, you know, anybody else would think twice before doing that. Um, we love diving. We love ocean life. We've been growing up, um, you know, next to the ocean our whole life. So it's, it's not super foreign. And the idea of swimming with sharks isn't really something that 
was terribly uh, frightening. It really was, <laughs> let's be fair. But I think that um, the experience was something that we've always wanted to do. And by we, I mean me and group of friends that I went with. So correct me if I'm wrong. Are you basically saying that because you're from Florida, the idea of uh, diving with sharks with no cage is actually relatively normal amongst the general population <laughs> or just you amongst you and your friends? Man, that's a good question too. I know how some people listening to this are just going to shake their head at that. But honestly, <laughs> I think South Floridians, you know, growing up near the ocean is something that you kind of, you know, develop a love for the ocean. Well, at least me and my friends, so to speak. So we've, you know, grown up snorkeling, diving. We love ocean life. Um, so it wasn't something terribly far-fetched for us. Okay, because you've got to understand, mate, for me, being from, you know, born and raised in, in London, uh, UK, the idea just sounds totally absurd. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, um, I can see that. I'm sure you can see that. And it's, it, I mean, it's just baffling. Uh, and just a few days ago, I was telling a few people uh, that I've got someone coming onto the podcast uh, about this topic. And, and uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. <laughs> to see yeah. some of the reactions that, that I was getting. So if I could ask you, Nathan, what company uh, hosted you and your experience and, and would you recommend them? Sure. Well, the company's name was Shark Addicts. So Shark, just spelled like that, and Addicts all together. They're a fairly new company. I want to say the past 10 years is when they've been operating. And yes, definitely recommend them. Super, super professional, super nice uh, crew of guys, which was a uh, pretty small, you know, considering the pandemic, um, you know, kind of affected the size of our charter a little bit. But nonetheless, everybody was very prepared, very knowledgeable. I mean, these are wild animals. So these guys aren't, you know, super, I guess you could say, and expect, you know, expecting exactly anything that can happen, but they are very capable. They've studied these animals for, for a long time. And uh, we really trusted them. So it was definitely recommendable. Had you seen a lot of reviews online or was it just word of mouth? Yes, that was something that me and my friends were definitely worried about. I mean, are these guys trustworthy? Who are they? How long have they been doing this? Um, what's, so to speak, the the track record? Has anything happened in the history? Um, I guess with any of the people who've, you know, encountered some of the more aggressive shark species of course that was that was a big uh question for for the group that we had especially some of the guys they were really kind of uh you know second guessing everything but but we found everything to be great the reviews were great and we were just really excited that's good because obviously once you're down there you know six uh meters or whatever it is under the water there's no going back you know, going back to Google yeah. and quickly scrambling to see the, you know, how many stars they got on their, on their reviews. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, yeah. That's uh, that, that's something that I would be very, very anxious about. Were you going to say something as well? Yeah. I think that um, once you understand that, you know, the nature of these animals is just unpredictable, then you realize that you can't exactly hold the company to a, I guess a standard of, of perfection. You got to realize that, you know, you are in the element or in the ecosystem of, of another animal. And in this case, a, a very aggressive, but very misunderstood animal uh, at that. So I think when you recognize that and you treat it kind of, you know, as these animals deserve with a lot of respect, then you can understand that, okay, these guys love sharks. You know, they're not doing this just to, you know, make a quick hundred bucks here and there. Mm -hmm. they, they really do love sharks and they're trying to teach everybody that, 
you know these these animals are very very misunderstood mm. i like your response because it's a it's a very um it shows that there's no intellectual bias you've done your homework you've done your reviews or, or your research for example online right and you've come to conclude like you said yep I, I believe in these guys they know what they're doing but as you quite rightly said you know they're not in charge of these dangerous animals you know you are amongst the elements and ultimately from the way you're speaking it's almost like there exists a mathematical possibility that you could quite literally be eaten alive. Yeah, that you know that thought was was in our heads the entire time. Are we going to be a statistic that day? Um, of course, the numbers are extremely, extremely low. You have a, a bigger chance of getting killed by a vending machine, you know, than being <laughs> killed machine. by a shark. Yeah, I guess they fall on people. Is is what you know oh, okay. we read up about. Yeah. Wow, I might have to look up the uh, the statistics for death by vending machines after this podcast. Yeah, well, be careful, man. <laughs> I, I will, absolutely. Thanks for that. So, Nathan, I, I'll be very happy to recommend this company. And, guys, in the show notes, uh, in the description of this podcast, I will put – I'll get the details from Nathan and I'll put the uh, website – of this company so that if you're ever in Florida, you can look them up uh, and maybe do it yourself. Awesome. So Nathan, um, going on to my next question, what preparations did you have to make for it? Uh, be it mentally, physically or otherwise? That's a good question. I think once you look at the website, once you see and you're briefed, so to speak, about what the experience is like, you'll notice that there isn't a whole lot of preparations that need to go in beforehand uh, for the guest or, or the client. So on our end, it was, it was a little bit scary because like, well, we pay the money, we show up, they take us out there and we swim with sharks. That's it. And that's basically what it was. There wasn't a whole lot of preparing. Of course, mentally in the weeks, the days of, literally the day of, the morning of, we woke up extremely early. The charter um, leaves pretty early in the morning, of course. And, uh, I mean, during the entire boat ride, we were just kind of like contemplating like, man, there's sharks in the ocean, literally underneath us. We're going to see them. And it's, it's just a, a mixture of, of panic, but at the same time, euphoria, cause we love these animals so much. So there wasn't a whole lot of time to prepare mentally, physically. I mean, the group of buddies and I, we've been free diving for years now, so we have I guess you could say a, a good um, backbone of, of swimming and, and diving knowledge, but in reality that didn't really kick in or wasn't really needed. That's very interesting. So were you saying a few final prayers as that boat sped out to the ocean? <laughs> yeah. It's funny. You should say that the, the morning of, it was about 12 o'clock when we got out to the middle of the ocean, about one and a half miles out of the coast of Jupiter. And well, I mean, the guys jump in the water first, they chum the water, you know, to basically attract the shark species. And once they establish a controlled environment in which they can gather some sharks and maybe a small pack, then they invite in the guests. But interestingly enough, the first trip that we took, we did not see a single shark. And we went out for nearly three hours looking for sharks. We just didn't see any. So you actually went looking for a deadly dangerous animal but you still didn't find any uh yeah. but obviously you went out this time i mean out of interest on that point i don't know if you remember when you ask these experts um in terms of the st uh, statistics each time they go out what is the likelihood of encountering sharks i mean is it like 50 50 is it only on you know 
I mean, they, it's their business, right? So if they keep on taking yeah. people out, I would imagine that most of the time you're going to come across sharks because if you don't, it's going to be a bit of a letdown. You know, you get up early in the morning, exactly. you get dressed, you get psyched up, you say your final prayers, you know, in case you die, <laughs> uh, making yeah. sure that you're going to be in paradise. And, and you know, you get you do all that, those things just to find that there's no sharks. So, uh, you know, what is this, uh, what are the statistics on that? Do you know? Well, that's a good question. I think certain species of shark are more common in Florida waters during certain times of the year. So based off of that, there's a time when the company is less active. Basically, when sharks kind of migrate, move out of the shallow water, go more deep ocean, so to speak. So those months usually are blacked out dates. You can't really dive. But the dates that we picked were still in the middle of the high season. Certain species like bull shark, um, tiger sharks, which we don't really see in, in shallow water. Those are more deep ocean, but there's still a chance. Hammerheads, sandbars, all of those, there's a possibility of encountering. And the group before us encountered three. So by the time we got out there, we were like, okay, we're going to see something. But I guess it was just our, you know, it was just an off day. And there was previously a hurricane passing through a couple of days earlier. So maybe that scared them off just wasn't our morning we didn't see anything mm, that's uh that's really interesting so it's also interesting how a lot of animals um can sense i mean because you you, you mentioned, a, mentioned a, a hurricane and i haven't done any research on this myself but it does seem that a lot of animals do interact instinctively with the weather patterns don't they um yes i've heard that when tsunamis come you know the birds and, and other animals can sense that something is going on and it's almost a precursor uh, and, and humans who, who can't sense these things, if they watch intently uh, nature and the birds of the heavens, they can uh, predict from their behavior what's going to happen. And, and maybe that the same is true with sharks. I don't know. I, that's something I'll have to, to look up myself. Right. So, Nathan, um, what previous diving experience have you had? Because obviously this isn't just diving. This is diving with sharks. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've uh dived south florida waters for years now boca raton deerfield we have a few spots we like to go to or up in riviera beach there's a cool dive spot um we encounter all kinds of wildlife we have very cool fish down here um but not really any sharks i guess it's just a matter of deep ocean or or just pure luck at that if you encounter a shark we see um nurse sharks which I guess you could say are a very docile species. We've seen those before, you know, they live kind of in coral caves here in shallow water sometimes, but not really a very aggressive shark. They do get pretty big. Um, but yeah, we've been diving for years. We love the ocean. We're not certified scuba. My Well, a group of us is, but most of the guys on the trip were not. Um, and we didn't really need to be scuba certified anyways. This is all free diving and free diving is something we've been doing for a long time, just building up resistance in your own lungs and being able to hold your breath. I think it's very cool because it's, it's less, um, you know, less gear to take and, and it's very, you just show up, you jump in the water and that's kind of it. But as far as experience goes, just uh, fanatics, really, you know, we love the ocean, but that's about it. So Nathan, no oxygen. No, no oxygen. Yeah. We, of course, uh, scuba diving is pretty popular here, but that's not something I've really uh, trans- transitioned to yet. I would love to do it, but free diving is basically what you know my friends and I love doing the most. And how long were you actually under the water at any one given time? 
Well, on this trip, maybe a minute, a minute and a half at the most, probably a little bit less, closer to 45 seconds, because, I mean, the guys told you, well, you can dive down, but remember, these sharks are going to come up to you the minute you break, what, six feet? So you dive down six feet, these guys are going to check you out. So I think that scared us. We weren't really hanging out down there for too long. We were basically snorkeling with them most of the time. So what training is required? So you said there's no scuba license needed. Obviously, there's no breathing apparatus, so you don't necessarily need to be trained on that either. Um, what other training is required? I mean, it's it's funny, nothing really. If you know how to swim, then you're basically good to go. They give you the gear, they give you a wetsuit, they make sure you cover up as much skin as possible because underwater, you, you're flailing your hands. It might look like a fish just to be safe. Not that sharks will randomly attack you, but I mean, they give you all the gear. So as far as swimming goes, make sure you know how to swim. Make sure you can compose yourself. You can control your your nerves, your anxiety. You don't want to attract too much attention. You don't want to antagonize the fish. They make sure to tell you ahead of time all of these things. But as far as training, uh, licenses, nothing really required, man. Dude, you've got to understand that for me, that sounds completely and utterly absurd. You know, essentially, all you need to do is to be able to swim and you can uh, dive into the ocean. Okay, only a few foot under with animals that can potentially eat you alive. Yeah, yeah. It's something we read several, several times on the website. We're like, well, you know, we might be missing something. Let's read it again or let's look at another review. Maybe there is some kind of training, some kind of, I don't know, something you need to be aware of. But Ah, nothing, nothing. You just need to know how to swim. That's basically it. Are you sure you didn't miss a review that said, you know, lost my entire family of 11 people to, to <laughs> you know, I sent yeah. them out for their anniversary present and they took their cut, my cousins and my siblings and my friends yeah. and they all died. You know what I mean? Are you sure, sure. there wasn't yeah. a review like that? Trust me, we were looking extensively for that one review. Maybe there was one review out there like, oh man, I lost a hand, lost a limb, but there was nothing, man. These That's part of the charter itself. These animals are very misunderstood. They have a very, very bad reputation, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, the website, I think, does it some justice. They, they make sure to tell you these things, you know, don't really happen. And when they do happen, there's usually a reason why they happen, shark attacks. Do you know the statistics? I'm assuming you probably wouldn't off the top of your head, but do you, do you know if this company have actually taken anyone out and they've lost any limbs or anything else? Um, I'm pretty sure the answer to that is never because we, we asked them that. We asked them, hey, guys, you know, this was probably after the dive. We were all kind of on a, a, a natural high, right? <laughs> Isn't that a, a little bit like, too late, though? Just, you know, oh, shouldn't you yeah. ask that before the dive? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think before the dive, everybody was really quiet, kind of like, oh, man, this is actually happening kind of thing. But uh, after everybody's kind of messing around, you're poking fun at each other. And, and we asked the guys, like, hey, has anybody actually, you know, been bitten before or has anything of that nature happened? And, and the guys are like, no, as long as you follow the rules, you know, these animals aren't bloodthirsty killers. So that, that was reassuring. That's interesting. So you mentioned that there's no uh, need uh, for special equipment such as, you know, uh, having oxygen and things like that. But obviously you still need a wetsuit. Um, right. Just quick question, actually. If you were to dive nude, would you have a higher chance of being attacked? Hmm. That, se- that seems like a question that they could answer best. But I think that 
what they what they generally try to tell you is just to try not take any chances make sure that you cover up all the skin on your body of course your face you know is exposed but i think earlier into the company I, i've seen some pictures and there's perhaps some of the guests diving with the sharks maybe shirtless or or something like that or, or in swim trunks and uh, i mean it probably doesn't really make a huge difference these animals are very smart especially in clear water they can easily distinguish between fish and you know and a human of course mm. so i think as long as you compose yourself you behave accordingly you don't antagonize the shark you don't cause a scene you don't panic you don't splash then that's what's really important so the way you're talking you're almost insinuating to me correct me if i'm wrong that sharks have an inbuilt ability to distinguish between say a fish and a human and therefore have almost um an inbuilt respect for humans you know is that somehow true i think that sharks are incredibly intelligent and again this kind of goes back to the very small percentage of people that have been bitten you know usually when it does happen it's in very maybe shallow murky water they run into a leg or something they bump and bite so to speak you know, these things can happen. Or maybe it was just one of those days when, when they saw a surfboard and, you know, they took a bite out of a surfer. Unfortunately, that, that can happen as well, mistaken identity. But in deep ocean, you know, th- these animals are extremely, extremely smart. They know exactly what you are. You, you know, these things were looking at us. We could see, we were so close to them, we could see the eyeballs just staring at us. You know, they're checking My us out the entire man. time. So they're looking at you. They know exactly that, you know, you're not fish. Maybe it takes them a minute like, hey, what are these guys? Let me get familiar with them. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about the species. And and that kind of, you know, depends on each species because each species of shark, you know, reacts differently or behaves differently with uh, the people or the humans in the water. Yeah, we'll definitely have to to come on to that. Just Going back a little bit in, in our conversation, you mentioned, I forget the word now, but they put down the food uh, before you dive yeah. in. What's that called again? That's right. It's chum. It's basically uh, fish guts, pieces of fish. Um, they just, you know, douse the water with that. They have a couple of buckets and they have a couple of boxes that they kind of, uh, you know, the scent uh, in the water attracts sharks. A lot of other fish too, remoras and some other fish that like to hang out near predatorial fish like sharks. And uh, basically gets the scent in the waters, what attracts them. Sounds interesting because do, do you think there's a science behind it? Uh, what I mean by that is, do the company that, that you were using know uh, by research, you know, what time of day the sharks are more likely to be hungry? Because all jokes aside, if you were to dive when they haven't eaten for weeks, just to, you know, to, to use a, a hyperbole, isn't it more likely that you're going to be attacked? Hmm. That's also a good question, man. I think that what they made us realize is that off the coast of Jupiter, there's a few, uh, basically like an underground or underwater like mountain. Think of it that way, like a ledge, right? And a ledge basically drops, you know, the depth of the ocean from 90 to 100 to 150 to 200 feet and so forth. And sharks like hanging out around there, regardless of the time of the day, they're always there. That's kind of like their neighborhood. Um, that's where they usually take us out. They have a few locations that they, they know for a fact have been pretty successful when it comes to finding sharks. And I think the time of the day doesn't really matter. I know that at night they come out maybe a little bit more active, but during the day you're just as likely to encounter one. 
Awesome. So getting back to my original uh, question before going off on too many other tangents, which is something I do like (laughs) doing at times, especially when it's a topic like this. I mean, you need to realize I am fascinated by your experience here. Um, I'm in awe of it, actually. But getting back to the original question, if you remember, I was asking you about special equipment. So, okay, people are not going to dive nude, but they do need um, a wetsuit. So the wetsuit, along with the excursion, you know, maybe they're picking you up early in the morning, then you've got to get on the boat and you've got to go to the place and then they've got to use the chum and so on and so forth. With all of that included, how much did the experience cost you per person? Okay, so grand total, it was about probably $350. And all of that included, like you said, the equipment, we didn't basically need to bring anything. Uh, My friends and I, we brought some of our stuff just because we didn't want to use any of the the used equipment. But that's basically up to you. That obviously, you know, entail the cost of the boat. And uh, of course, tipping the crewmates is also very appreciated because these guys work very hard. Uh, basically all day taking people out but it also included very professionally taken photographs because when you're in the water I mean you want to have some documentation you want to be able to look back at this right maybe some videos or something absolutely these guys are pros they they do an excellent job they make sure to give you a very cool video package so to speak where you can kind of see the highlights and some of the sharks that you saw that day so very very worth it Uh, I do recommend getting the video package uh, you won't be disappointed. That's pretty cool. And just in case you do die out there, at least you can die a hero because that video uh, footage of yeah. you in, in, in your last few minutes can can be played to everyone, your family, exactly. friends. You know, yeah. Nathan Mejia died a hero. You know, amazing. <laughs> I would want I would want them to play it at my funeral, but yeah, uh, no, these things do not happen, man. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So on that point, um, how many instructors, if you remember, how many instructors were there? Uh, you know, instructors, professionals. Um, and how many uh, people like yourself and your friends were there as well? Do you know roughly? So, yeah, a group of friends was only five of us and the the boat crew was only three. So there's a captain and uh, two of the guys that jumped in the water to chum, attract the sharks, handle them too. These guys will literally hand feed them pieces of fish, cut up fish, basically feed a bull shark. So that's how fearless these guys are. And yeah, there's only three of them, two of them in the, two of them in the water and, uh, and the boat captain. That was about it. So the captain never, ever goes into the water. He stays in the boat. Is that right? Yeah, okay. correct. He didn't get in the water. Okay. So it's a ratio of two to five. Yeah. Yeah. The group can be a number of six, I think, is the max. And uh, there's three, um, I guess, three of their guys the whole time. Interesting. I mean, just thinking outside of the box now, even if there was, you know, if there were six or seven of them, ultimately, if, if one of these bull sharks decides he wants you for dinner, I mean, quite <laughs> frankly, I don't know what one of these uh, instructors is, is going to do about it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to I was m- more than aware that like, if one of these sharks was having a bad day, then I don't think there was much that the instructors could really do. I mean, they basically were f- taking the attention off the shark, so to speak. They were feeding them. They were deeper than us they we were basically hanging out at the surface so um i think they did basically anything they could have done just to like make sure that they were the focus and the sharks are very curious so they came around and swam around all of us it's funny so. how how you mentioned you know all it takes is that one of the sharks has had a bad day you know we, we all have bad days right. and you know one yeah. of these sharks he, he could have just broken up with his girlfriend he's he's feeling miserable he's <laughs> upset and and you chance upon him and you you die 
There you go. That's all it takes. And I think that kind of goes into the species of sharks as well, because there's some more, I guess you could say aggressive species out there and some that are a little more shy, a little more timid. That segues really nicely into maybe another question I'd like to 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 ask you is maybe a multifaceted uh, question. Um, you know, what types of sharks, because people who are listening to this might think, okay, so he's, di- he's, he's diving with sharks. I mean, you know, many people know that there are really dangerous sharks, but there are more timid sharks. So what type of sharks were there and roughly how many uh, of, of them did you see? And maybe how, if I could also ask you, how, how big and heavy were they? Okay, so yeah, this is, this is a cool question. Um, I think at one time, there was about maybe six or seven sharks in the water with us. And perhaps at a distance, maybe one or two that didn't approach perhaps as close as the others. Um, As far as the species goes, we had bull sharks that day. We had a sandbar shark that didn't approach us, but we we got to see him just barely with an eyesight. He basically checked us out and headed back down there. And the rest of them were reef sharks. So the guys took us out on two locations. The first location, literally the minute we pulled up to the location, two dudes jump in the water. You know, they start chumming the water. Probably 30 seconds later, the boat captain tells us, hey, guys, look alive. We got some sharks. Looks like a pack of bulls. Damn. And all of us kind of look over into the ocean and, and we see, you know, the shark is already right there next to the boat doing laps. And at that point, I remember vividly my brother because the previous trip had to be canceled. We didn't find anything. So this was probably two weeks afterwards. The guys took us out again. I looked at my brother and he had just the look on his face. He was like, oh, man, this is this is really happening. This is happening. Think, this is it. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps low key. He, he didn't want it to happen. Maybe he thought that like we weren't going to encounter anything again, but boy, was he wrong within like literally 30 seconds. There was a my pack about three, eight and a half foot bull sharks. Me. So big boys. Yeah, for sure. I, I do wonder if anyone at that point has just backed out and thought I need to get back on the boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know for a fact they have. In fact, once the boat captain told us that, the guys were like, hey, guys, feel free to come in the water nice and slow whenever you're ready. And me and my friends kind of took about 10 minutes just putting on our gear. All of us are definitely feeling a little afraid. The guys are like, hey, you guys getting in or not? <laughs> so all of us are like, well, who's going first, guys? So, yeah. So did, did you go first or was it one of your friends or your brother? Or uh, I think it was one of my friends. He was kind of ready first and he was like, you know what? Let me just go ahead and jump in. I, I jumped in after that and, uh, you know, it was pretty amazing. We, we went eight in the morning. So first thing in the morning, beautiful sunrise. We jump in the ocean. Literally the first thing you see is an eight and a half foot bull shark just, you know, cutting across the water in front of you. So close. You can see literally his eyeball just staring at you. It was my stomach was just dropping at that point. I mean, that is insane. Were they, I mean, I, I don't know if this is an absurd question, but were they male bull sharks or female? Does that even make a difference in terms of how aggressive they are? That's yes, not a loaded question, does. by the way. <laughs> right. Yeah, it does make a difference. The females are larger. And from what he told us, they were a pack of females because they were, they were as big as they get. Very big. There was an alpha for sure. He was probably, or she, uh, maybe eight and a half feet. I, I want to say, I don't know. This might be wrong, but maybe 400 plus pounds, extremely, extremely muscular animal. You could see the muscles in its back whenever he turned direction, just kind of like checking us out nice and smooth at first, several passes, you know, swimming underneath our fins, 
uh, and, you know, two other slightly smaller, maybe seven and a half, but equally as big, intimidating females with her. So, and a lot of remoras, other kind of fish kind of starting to, you know, fill the water as well. That just sounds completely insane. So the, yeah. uh, amongst the bull shark population, the females are the ones that are bigger than the males. I'm pretty sure that was it. You might have to fact check that, but I'm pretty sure that the females are larger. That is really, really interesting. So again, to, to summarize that, um, you've got the bull sharks, the reef sharks, and and did you say the, the, the sandbar sharks as well? Appeared? Correct. So sandbars, uh, they don't really approach. They kind of are uninterested. We saw one, he was surrounded by like a bunch of little, little fishes. He checked us out and basically didn't really care. And the second location, after we saw the bull sharks, the guys encountered a pack of reef sharks. Probably the biggest one was about six foot. And these guys are a little more skittish. They don't approach you as, I guess you could say confidently as the bull sharks do, but still very, very fun to swim with because they, they, do get pretty close sometimes and they have, you know, kind of a very, uh, very quick fidgety way of swimming. So it's also makes you a little bit afraid, right? Like what if this guy turns on me, but yeah, also a very cool species. Do you know, uh, Nathan, if amongst, you know, the bull shark population, the reef shark population and the sandbar shark population, um, do you know if they turn on each other? I mean, are they uh, predatory towards each other or, or not necessarily? Well, I know for a fact that certain sharks like hammerheads and, you know, tiger sharks will eat other species of shark. Uh, as far as the bull sharks go, I mean, I, I think these guys literally eat car tires and, you know, license plates, anything. So I think that yes would be the answer to that. But kind of once we're all in the water and there's chum, and there's a source of food, they're not really fighting each other. But I guess the answer would be that the bull sharks kind of run the show. Everybody else kind of just follows in line. Everybody, including us, the humans, were kind of just at their disposal. So they eat car tires. <laughs> I've heard stories. Yeah, these these guys will eat anything. Surely they've they've got to be continental or quality above that. Probably, most likely Michelin, maybe even <laughs> Michelin star rated. Well, we talk yeah. about Michelin restaurants. Maybe for a shock, uh, Michelin tires are, are what it's all about. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Could be these guys. Yeah, they have an appetite for anything, man. So just to, to summarize, I think your your answer was awesome. It's very uh, educational. I've, I've learned a lot. I'm, I'm drinking up this information. Um, so <laughs> you've got the bull sharks, which you're saying are probably the most aggressive and dangerous uh, species to interact with. So really the apex predators in their ecosystem, whereas yes. the, the reef sharks are not so dangerous, still are dangerous, but not, not so dangerous, uh, you know, maybe with an approach towards humans being a little, a little bit more cautious. And then you've got the sandbar sharks who are basically just disinterested. They just don't care. Yes, that's, that's right. And of course, dangerous kind of goes in parentheses here because these sharks, like we kind of said earlier, they're not bloodthirsty killers. But of course, you got to exercise caution. Bull sharks, you know, you, you can encounter these things anywhere. Literally, they can live in fresh water. So people have seen them in, I don't know, lakes. You can look up YouTube videos probably in Switzerland and they, they'll see one swimming in a lake. So these guys can pop up anywhere. Um, and they're more aggressive, I want to say as well. You know, they have a pretty bad history, so to speak, of, you know, you know biting people. But that doesn't make them um, bloodthirsty killers. That's basically what the guys were trying to tell us the whole time. The reason I was so fascinated with this story when we first uh, spoke about it or when you first mentioned it to me 
obviously this is the first time I'm learning all about it in depth and I'm, I'm absolutely enjoying this, this, this conversation. Right. But the reason it stood out to me is because, you know, you, everyone's seen it on TV or maybe on, on YouTube or, or what have you, uh, people being, you know, lowered into the ocean in, in like a rigid, very well built, sturdy cage, um, you know, whereby you're in your oxygen uh, uh, apparatus, you've got the wetsuit, you've got all the, the, the things going for you uh, and maybe a professional and instructor by your side just to calm your nerves and so on, give you the confidence. But ultimately you're mm. in a cage and we've all seen the movie where, you know, the shark is bashing its head against the cage and then maybe even breaks the cage yeah. and the person dies or there's blood everywhere. So, <laughs> right. you know, you've explained it to me, but it, it's still amazing. It, it, it just amazes me how this was even possible that you dived without a cage. And what I would like to ask you as well is when you do see these movies, uh, with, you know, the cage scenario, or indeed, you know, when people do go on excursions and dive down in a cage, because I know that does happen as well. What is different about these experiences? Like, for example, the bull sharks, are they the type of sharks that would necessarily necessitate a cage in other parts of the world? Or do you think that those type of sharks are even more dangerous than the bull sharks? That's also a good question because I remember the first trip we took, it was probably the last location. We couldn't find any sharks. So the guys took us out to the open ocean, probably, I don't know, four miles off the coast. We weren't expecting to see anything, but it was the open ocean. So the guys told us, hey, look, this is open ocean. Anything goes here. If you see something big like a tiger shark or you know, a massive hammerhead or a great white, we might tell you guys to get out of the water. Definitely these bigger sharks like the great whites are, are, you know, I guess unpredictable in the way they behave because people don't behave with them or interact with them as much. So for, you know, in that sense, I can see why a cage would be merited for like a great white or a shark like that. As far as a bull shark goes, these things are pretty, you know, common in our water. So I think these guys have built up such a you know, a courage, you could say, or a resistance. And they studied them for a long time. They know exactly how they behave and what ticks them off and what makes them feel kind of settled and composed. And, you know, that must have been a driving factor when they were starting everything to like, hey, these these things don't really need, you know, we don't really need a cage because these guys don't attack as long as they're, you know, controlled, they have a source of food, they know the difference between a human, you know, the water, the water isn't extremely choppy or wavy. The visibility is good. Then we really don't need a cage. These guys don't attack humans. They're just misunderstood. Yeah, no, that's a really, really comprehensive answer. Thanks for that. So going yeah. back a little bit in the conversation, we've kind of already touched on this uh, in terms of, you know, saying your final prayers and, you know, <laughs> who's going to go in first and the rush of adrenaline right. and so on. But in terms of like a scale of one to 10, uh, or, or even zero to 10, because, you know, zero can qualify as well in the context of this question. How scared were you and your friends? I mean, in terms of other, just to put that into context, I mean, if you compare it to anything else you've done in your life, I mean, maybe, I don't know, we've all been through various situations. Maybe we were stranded somewhere or our car broke down in a crazy, dangerous neighborhood, uh, you know, in a ghetto or in a slum somewhere or I don't know, it could be literally anything. We could have been caught in a hurricane. I mean, I've been caught in a hurricane in, in St. Lucia. Uh, many years ago, um, which to be honest, it, it was a little bit scary, but I was actually quite yeah, excited about it. But that sounds but scary. <laughs> it it kind of was, but I think it was just a category two or maybe bordering three. So it wasn't that bad, um, even though I was on a house on stilts, but that's another story. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But 
you know, it depends on your life situation. I mean, there's many crazy things that can happen. Uh, but just for you personally, in your life, and for example, with your brother and your friends, where do you think it, it, it rated on a scale of 0 to 10 in comparison to those other things? Oh, man, that is a good question. I think collectively, I was probably at a seven, seven out of 10, seven out of 10, because once we saw that the guys were in the water, they were hanging out, they were literally feeding the sharks, you know, chunks of fish, I, I realized, okay, this isn't, you know, these guys are pros, they know exactly what they're doing. Of course, once we got into the, the water, th- those feelings amplified to like a nine, once you see them up close and personal, the sharks checking you out. Uh, you know, and I felt like that for the entirety of, of the expedition, you know, there's six, seven sharks swimming around you. You're keeping your eyes on them at all time, which is extremely, extremely important with a bull shark. You want to make sure to maintain eye contact, just make, make sure that you're not afraid of them. You don't want to show any fear. Of course you're afraid. We're all terrified, but you want to make sure that you're confident in the water. You make sure that you can differentiate between somebody who's going to panic and antagonize the shark and somebody who's composed and, and doesn't mean any kind of threat. So yeah, I was terrified, but I think once I saw that, you know, our behavior, in fact, we drifted away at one point and one of the sharks got literally probably about eight inches from my face and then turned away. Eight inches from your face. So close. I could see the little dots on his nose and I could see his mouth opening up a little bit. It was probably at that point, I was probably like an eleven. Because it was so close to my face and they, they do that. They check you, you know, they see like, is Sky afraid? Let me get up in his face and see what he does. And I just stood my ground, kept my eyes on him. I know that I might've flinched a little bit, maybe picked up my, my hands or my legs. If I want him to take a bite, I want it to be out of my shoulder. Please don't get me in any of my limbs. I want all of them. But at the very last second, this guy turns away, you know, my stomach kind of like my soul comes back into my body, so to speak. But that was kind of like the most scared I was on the trip. You know, they got really, really, really close. But yeah, we were terrified, man. But once you see that these animals are beautiful, really, really beautiful, and they're interacting in a very curious way, they're not out to get you, then then you just, your respect for them grows. So basically a seven, but you maxed out at 11. <laughs> Probably that shark got really, really close. My brother was right behind me. He also was you know, expecting that shark to just lunge at me or one of us, he got extremely close. But, you know, one thing that the guys told us was, hey, if the shark, bull shark specifically, if the shark gets really, really close to your face, do not take away your eyes. Do not give him your back. Do not flinch. Don't throw a punch. Don't do anything. Just keep eye contact. He's just checking you out. He's not going to bite you. These guys have encountered that several times the sharks have gotten literally an inch from their face then turned away they just do that they're just i don't know what it is it's just part of their nature the way they behave with humans maybe they want to see what you're about and you just got to show them that hey i'm not food you know i'm I'm here to check you out but i'm not here to cause any kind of trouble for them i just think the mental fortitude that you must have had to to deal with that situation because jokes aside there could be some people that you know it doesn't matter how much they've been told by the experts hey if you have a bull shark approach you and if it gets within a few inches of your face don't flinch keep eye contact and even though you know that that is scientifically true 
you know, sometimes the, the, the fight or flight response can just kick in and some people are naturally jumpy. Um, you know, I know people who could be walking down the road and they might drop a coin from their pocket and they literally jump as though there's been a car crash or something because they're just naturally jumpy people. We all know people like that. And yeah, you could be, this is what surprises me in a way, because if you were, you know, this company don't know who you are. They don't know your backstory and they're kind of taking on a risk to a degree, because if you're, uh, you know, if you have that disposition or that tendency, uh, and, and then you, there you are in that situation, a bull shark brushes your face and you jump and you flinch <laughs> and you, you, you look away, you know, instinctively you look away, you turn, you show it your back and then you end up getting eaten. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think that they behave in such an interesting way, very different to what other animals are like, but I think we kind of likened it to like an, I don't know, maybe a pack of lions, the same thing, or, or maybe a grizzly bear. I, I, I mean, these are also apex predators in their own environments as well. And you got to treat them with respect. You wouldn't go up to a lion and pull on its tail or you wouldn't slap a bear in the back of the head. But if you encounter one, you know, chances are you're not going to run up to it or, or throw a punch or something like that. Right. And the same thing applies with a shark. I mean, the ocean is such an interesting environment, of course. There's so many factors that are just out of your control. Once you're in the water, it's it's their territory, but they behave in a very peculiar way. Once you understand how they behave and how they, I guess, perceive one's fear, because they can smell your fear. They know you're afraid of them. They set the rules when you're in the water. But I guess once they see that, okay, this guy isn't really you know, budging when I get close to him, or this guy is, is confident enough. I just knew that, all right, if anything happens, I'm going to listen to these guys. These guys are the pros. Keep, let me keep my eyes on them. If I do get bitten, then, well, I guess I'll be that one, you know, one out of a hundred people that got bitten by following the rules. But that's all you can really do. Hope for the best. Exactly. And don't forget, you you, you would have had the, the video footage anyway at your, at your funeral, should you have died, which means you would yeah, have died correct. a legend anyway. Exactly. Exactly. I, I just feel that after being, uh, after going through what you've what you've been through, I feel like if you were there seated at uh, another movie, for example, watching, you know, some some crazy thing about sharks, you know, most of the audience would be just, you know, terrified, and you'll probably just be there <laughs> essentially in stitches, eating popcorn, just laughing, right? Yeah, yeah. I think our respect collectively, the entire group, grew so much for these animals. We can understand them so much better now. You know, I, I see these programs like Shark Week uh, and, you know, they're they're portraying the shark kind of like a vicious predator. Or they're, you know, telling all these stories about people who are eaten or attacked by sharks. And I was like, well, this is probably, you know, this isn't really accurate. You know, they're giving the facts of like probably 20 years worth of people combined into one episode of people who've been attacked by sharks or, you know, had some kind of encounter and I'm thinking to myself, like, well, you know, there's always a reason why, you know, this guy was spearfishing and, you know, he was stealing the the food basically from the shark. So the shark felt threatened. He came after him. You know, there's always a reason why they attack. They don't just walk up to you or swim up to you, right? And, you know, take a bite. And if they do, maybe you are antagonizing the fish in a certain way or the shark. And, you know, they are wild animals. Things, crazier things have happened. You know, sometimes I pet my dog the wrong way and she'll bite me, but it's not the end of the world, you know, you just got to know how to take it and, and behave with them. Right. Would you do it again? And if you did do it again, do you think that on a scale of naught to 10, do you think it would again be a seven maxing out at 11 or do you think it would be lower or, 
or maybe just, you know, the same? Good question. I think if I were to do it again, I would love, absolutely love to encounter some of the bigger species like a tiger shark or a hammerhead. Hammerheads are my favorite. Um, I think I would be equally as afraid because every species behaves differently. And like I just said, tiger sharks or great hammers are what, 14 plus. So if this is eight and a half foot bull shark, then imagine what 14 looks like or 12 in the water with you as opposed to a six foot man. It's just crazy to think about yeah i mean that's that's just totally nuts with the 14 foot one do you know if it's the same advice you know if they come up you still eyeball it you don't flinch is it the same advice i think that what i heard from some of the guys that day was they're just a little more unpredictable they've never encountered the you know a big shark like that while in the water with a guest Uh, maybe even a tiger shark they do i know they have expeditions where they take you to certain beaches maybe in bimini and you know, they do find larger sharks there, but as far as the rules go, I, I'm not sure how to tell you. I mean, there's videos on YouTube, spearfishers in Hawaii encounter tiger sharks all the time, and they behave very differently. I want to say they're not as aggressive, but they're still not afraid of you, you know, in the slightest. So you also probably have to keep eye contact, make sure you're always, you know, looking where that shark is going. Um, but I'm sure those guys can answer the question much better than I can. Nathan, I've got one final question. And if I can, I'd like to give quite a generalized question, but it's quite deep. Um, what did it teach you about life, if anything? And how would you say it's developed you as a person? Man, that is a good question. I, there's always a lesson. And of course, somebody like us, like myself or my friends, we love ocean life. So I think if anything, it taught us that these animals are beautiful. You know, they're misunderstood. If, if you look at the flip side, people kill them all the time. Shark finning, that, that happens in Florida waters all the time. Fishermen will do that just because they scare away some of the fish. So you got to look at the full scope of things. Yes, you have to respect them. Yes, they deserve to be treated a certain way, but they are beautiful creatures. They're fundamental to our environment they eat all the sick fishes and without them, you know, the ecosystem in the ocean would suffer tremendously. So of course we learned stuff about that. Um, but as far as life goes, just appreciating, um, life, we love creation life down here in South Florida, we're used to seeing all kinds of pretty cool stuff, especially in the ocean. Um, my appreciation grew for, for ocean life. So, so, so much. And, you know, as a person now, I think that like, I guess I understand, um, the ocean a little bit better. Of course, it's a different, different ecosystem, you know, compared to everything, everything else we got going on here. But um, I mean, it taught, taught us a lot. It, it was really cool afterwards, just talking with the guys and, you know, laughing and like, oh, I can't believe the shark got that close to you. Or like, you know, we all felt really, really close afterwards because it was a very unifying experience, you know, to, to share and, uh, it was it was definitely something we won't forget ever, you know. Man, that was beautiful. I really, really enjoyed <laughs> your your answer to that. I, uh, very, very yeah, insightful. Thanks. Uh, almost thanks, spiritual. Man. Almost spiritual. Right? Yeah. It was it was something else, man. These these animals are very very cool. Uh, and I know the next time you're coming down, you're going to do it, right? <laughs> well uh boy boy i've I've gone and caught myself out now because everyone listening to this is gonna is gonna be like so so nate you've been to florida and uh 
after that podcast you did uh, what happened <laughs> man, oh, man. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to give any guarantees yet but uh, I'll, I'll think about it <laughs> cool cool well nathan it's been an absolute privilege to have you on the show it's been a real real joy i've, I've really enjoyed this conversation Thanks a lot, man. Uh, this was fun just to be able to talk about the experience, also about the animals themselves. Um, you know, they deserve a lot of respect. I hope that somebody listening to this can look at sharks a little bit differently. Of course, you know, they're, they're animals that are fearful. They're very powerful, or they are to be feared, rather, and, and they're very powerful. You know, that it is what it is, but they're not bloodthirsty killers. They're, they're just very misunderstood. So it was good to come on and and just be able to talk about that. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. My guest today was Nathan Mejia from Florida, USA. Diving with sharks with no cage. Yes, it can be done. You've heard it firsthand. So guys, ladies, there's no excuses. Next time you're in Florida or somewhere else where this is possible, it can be done. And I have to hold to that as well. What a fascinating story. I'm sure we've all learned a lot from that. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please do share it with a family member or friend who you think would get something out of it. My name is Nate Ralph, and you've been listening to The Inquisitive Tourist. Tourist.